On this week's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Sarah Massey, and she is the president of S. Massey Consulting, LLC, which provides export consulting, compliance programs, education, guidance, and training for companies to navigate the complicated laws and regulations for U.S. exports. Sarah has been engaged in international business for more than 15 years through her experience in government, sales, and education. She draws upon her wealth of experience in compliance and international sales to ensure that her clients have all the tools necessary to export safely and successfully. She has extensive international project management experience, especially within aerospace, medical equipment, and high-tech industries. She has supported and coordinated companies' efforts to market themselves internationally and has planned, implemented, and organized trade shows and state governor-led trade missions in over 10 countries throughout Europe, Asia, and Australia. She has also handled the protocol for high-level international government and business delegations. She has conducted business consultations with companies concerning international business strategy, export compliance, and market research. She has worked to promote companies internationally for exports as well as foreign direct investment opportunities, and she has facilitated inbound investments by establishing and maintaining relationships with overseas trade associations and foreign governments, and has assisted to match companies with foreign business partners by working closely with Idaho's international trade offices and the U.S. Commercial Service. Sarah is currently an aerospace liaison for the Idaho Manufacturing Alliance and previously served as a secretary of board for the Idaho Aerospace Alliance and as a board member for the Boise Cricket Club. This week's podcast is brought to you by Coach Outlet, an American luxury design house specializing in handbags, luggage, accessories, and ready-to-wear. And go to Peppershock.com. It's just a click away to save $10 on your first purchase of $100. Go to Peppershock.com slash offers and click on the Coach Outlet link, put in your email, and get $10 off on me. And now it's time for our Marketing Essentials Moments, the basics of what you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. We're talking about the difference between content writing and copywriting. We know we need both, but let's just dig in. The purpose of content writing is really to provide your target audience and, of course, Google with something to read. While we're sleeping, Google and other search engines will kind of pretty much read to itself, and then that's how it knows what to serve up when someone types in things like, how do I, or where can I, or what is in the search bar, and this is a big component of search engine optimization and even now voice search engine optimization, right? Voice optimization, because all of the things that we use, like the devices, Siri, Amazon, or Alexa, all of those things, right? So when we want people to find us, we want to write about the things that we know that are relevant to our website, to our industry, to our organization, right? And that way our customers and fans with that curiosity will find what they're looking for because you've then given them the content to find, right? So really the job of a content writer is to educate, inform, entertain on any of those topics that is important to your business, organization, or industry. This can include things like blogs, articles, web, paragraphs, text that's going on your, like the content that's going on your website, and more, right? And can range from just one paragraph to an entire published work of maybe like white paper, anything that people can download as PDFs, those types of things, right? And by creating content and serving it up for your readers, you're able to position yourself as an expert or a thought leader in your industry. And then the more the customers will know about you, the better prepared they are to make a good decision 
to buy from you, right? The more that they can learn from you, the more that they're likely to engage with you and eventually purchase or collaborate with you. And content is writing is very helpful uh, when you're wanting to do a subtle sell uh, or a subtle offer, right? It's basically saying, I'm an expert at this and I want you to know what I know so that when you need help from me, you will then know who to ask, right? So that's content writing. Now, the purpose of copywriting is to make your audience want what you have or do what you'd like for them to do. You want them to follow, buy, vote, remember you, attend, donate, any of those, right? And then you want them to continuously remember you in the future so you have copywriting that is clever. It's not just a subtle sell, it's more of a, hey, we're awesome and we know you want our awesome products or service or our offer or our event or whatever the case might be, right? Copywriting is taglines and web copy and sales copy, it's solicitations, it's asks, it's basically the words that you put up on a billboard, right? Is is like the tags that you would do, the mottos and those slogans that become memorable and compelling so people remember you when it's time for them to buy. And of course, the right copy can unite, inspire, brand, and move people to action in order to buy your product or service. It gets ideas into movement and it drives the customers through your door and it keeps you top of mind. Toma, top of mind awareness, right? The most memorable and iconic brands in the world are all supported by copy that is clever, impactful, original. Really, regardless of the delivery or the platform, the right copywriter can find a handful of words or even just one word in some circumstances that can set your company or organization apart from all the other things that are out there, right? And it brings your target audience home to you. So now that we understand the purpose and difference between copywriting and content writing on email, social media, billboards, TV, or even hearing it on the radio, copywriting is everywhere, but good copywriting is a work of art. And you certainly know when you see it and you know when you don't, right? So anyway, if you need a good copywriter or a content writer, let us know. It's certainly something that we offer at Peppershock Media, but it's always a good idea to continue to build your copy, build your content, continuously create those phrases and funnels and flyers and billboards and brochures and all the things that you need in order to help you continuously build that top of mind awareness to get your name out there and to help fuel the word of mouth advertising that people would say or talk about you, right? If you can make it memorable, they can say it, it's portable. Other people can repeat it to other people. Those are the things that you need to do to continuously inform, entertain, or inspire your audience to act. There is more information about copywriting and content writing and things that you can do to enhance your copywriting and content writing. Go to themarketingexpedition.com, subscribe to our community, and then get access to all of our blog posts that can help you in building your brand and your bottom line. And now let's get to the interview with Sarah. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the MarketingExpedition.com community. And today's guest, we have Sarah with us. Sarah, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. All right, for our audience, why don't you say in your own words some of the wonderful things that you do now that you have worked for the state and now you're on your own. Tell us what you're doing. 
Right. So I did work for several years for the state of Idaho on the international team, helping companies to expand internationally, meet new partners, as well as um, bringing in some foreign direct investment, working with partners internationally. And now I've launched out on my own as mostly an export compliance consultant, but I do exporting in general. I help companies get started, find their classification codes so that they can even get started exporting. Um, but yeah, the specialty really lies with all those processes and protocols that people really don't want to look at and create and develop. And so that's why I'm here. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So give me an example of some things that you've done that, what kind of things have been exported that you've helped with? Uh, well, most recently I helped a company that is just launching out, creating a ramp that goes in the back of an airplane oh. that helps small planes get loaded without dragging the luggage all the way back for the workers. So it saves on their backs and and physical fatigue so you get the there's already ramps that exist up to the plane but this one goes through the belly of it and expands as needed and contracts as needed Ooh, that sounds fancy yeah so you had to help with all the policies and procedures in order for them to be able to ship this out to other places across the world right yeah, so for that one, I um, really just did the basics, which was the classification code so that they would know what to do, um, what they needed to do, did some screenings to make sure they weren't shipping to the wrong people, because uh-huh. the U.S. government has people on a list that they don't want you to ship to, uh-huh. and countries and things like that. So I, I did the just kind of the bare bones for them to really get started. Um, but I did also have another company that I did the full compliance program for, Again, in aerospace, that's one of the uh, industries that I've worked with a lot over the last several years. And they have uh, different lights that go onto airplanes, LED lights. And so for them, they had two different classifications, one that's a little bit more controlled because it's a higher tech and another one that's not as controlled. And so for those, yep, full compliance program, full manual to go along with it, the processes, the step-by-step for what the sales team needs to do versus the operations team versus management and um, gave them a training so that all their employees understood what in the world export controls are, why Mm -hmm. they exist, Mm -hmm. and what it means to them. Because that's the key, right? What's it mean to me? I don't understand. Right. Yeah. And that's how we can make the world go around because we have all the processes and procedures and all the T's crossed and I's dotted to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. Because what could happen if you don't do what you're supposed to do? Right. So um, if you get caught... Um, and you didn't realize you were doing the wrong thing, um, or if you're doing the wrong thing on purpose, um, there's different penalties that can happen for sure. Uh, Fines up to a million dollars per violation. Ouch. Per violation, and sometimes there are multiple violations within something. Um, If it's willful and you're doing it on purpose, you're doing the wrong things knowingly, then there can be up to 20 years imprisonment oh, involved. Geez. You can also lose, um, you can be debarred from government contracts. You can lose your export privileges for 10 years. Um, so there's a lot of things, yeah, both individual penalties as well as uh, corporate penalties that can happen. So everybody that's going to ship anything out of here needs your services. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I know, and the, the people that think that they're just shipping, oh, I'm not shipping, you know, um, guns. I don't need to worry about it. Um, and yeah, the higher tech stuff, obviously people, I think it's a little bit more on their radar. But everything that ships, including, you know, the water bottles and the ballpoint pens and the caps that we ship out of the country, while they're not as controlled, that is absolutely correct, there are still 
people that you shouldn't ship to, countries that you shouldn't ship to, um, and yeah, the ways that you're supposed to classify things so that you're, you know, the government knows what's coming in and out. That's where statistics come from. So things that need to be classified properly. So yeah, everybody needs some form of compliance if they're shipping anything out of the U.S. Right. And I'm sure uh, the classifications matter so they know how much to tax you to, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it is not uncommon for a foreign entity to ask you to ship under a different code. Because uh-huh. it's cheaper for them if you ship under a different code sometimes because uh-huh. of those tariffs codes. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, when you're shipping out, the U.S. government doesn't care quite as much because that's not their lost revenue. But it is for an international country. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it is illegal, in case it's not clear, it is illegal to ship under um, different codes uh, by request because that's uh, not accurate right and there you're willfully trying to evade taxation Uh-oh. at that point ouch yeah we don't want to have that happen <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> well let's back up a little bit i know you and i met at a aerospace alliance a big huge convention and in, in, in an association that we were a part of together and mm-hmm. there's all these different gatherings well I guess pre-pandemic we were, but Correct. you know, it still still happens on Zoom, and I'm sure it'll it'll come back again as as we get through this. But just share a little bit about some of the the things that you've done to help you market your business now. And I know you're about to do some things to to make it known that that's what you're doing. But let's right. go back in time and kind of just uh, explain to people some of the things that you've done over the course of the last couple of years. In in well, maybe BC. How about before COVID? Well, I really launched my company pretty much during COVID. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, Some of the main things that I uh, try to do is network within associations that are applicable. Um, And so locally here, I've been working with the Idaho Manufacturing Alliance because um, it's a very applicable industry for us, you know, domestically as well as internationally. And so being able to get myself in front of companies. And so I sponsored a meeting and I was a speaker at that meeting and talked about the seven myths of exporting to get companies interested in exporting if they're not already there. And so I presented myself as the expert that I am. And so that was key to finding, um, you know, some of the clients is that just them to know that I know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. And present that opportunity and that knowledge and to get in front of them. And then um, some other things I, you know, definitely try to do is actually work with the state of Idaho, who has a grant opportunity for small businesses. And so that's the STEP grant, which is S-T-E-P. And for that, the Idaho Department of Commerce administers it for both agricultural and commerce types of companies. And my services are applicable for that because they assist in international training to help companies grow and expand internationally. And so I've been able to to connect with them to be a referral process as well. Right. Now, grant money can pay for your services, which is great. Absolutely. And right now it's just a 25% match. Um, and so there's different opportunities uh, for that to, to come up. Yeah. So you get, you know, 75% of the services covered. Right. And as you're looking to expand, you can take what you know for this state and pretty much apply it in different states too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. It is. Um, what I do is U.S. export compliance, and so it's applicable to any state across the U.S. And even if you're an international 
company that's manufacturing in the U.S., if you then turn around from the U.S. and export those products, U.S. App, um, U.S. laws apply. So yeah, anywhere across the U.S., my laws are, are my skills are applicable to those laws. So you pretty much focus on what goes out of the country. Do you help anything that people want to have and bring into the country? It is a very similar process. That's definitely not my focus, but mm-hmm. it is definitely something that I can help with because mm-hmm. it is a very similar process. It's still the same, you know, codes and and trying to understand, you know, what the laws and regulations are to bring things in. Mm-hmm. If there's a quota, if there's a tariff that's, you know, applied and those kinds of things and being able to do that research. What would be the hardest country to ship something to from the United States? Well, there's definitely some you can't ship to. Uh, um, so we don't want to talk about those. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> People do ship to those uh, illegally by shipping to another country and creating a transshipment. Uh, um, but again, that's criminal. So uh-huh. we don't want to do that. Okay. I think some of the, the more difficult things to ship to might just be a, a far off destination. And so then it's not so much the laws and the taxation that come into play it's more the transportation part of it uh, right and yeah. so and having having a good freight forwarder on your side is very helpful in that type of case because they can give you recommendations on how to ship where to ship from do you go by sea by air which port do you go out of those types of recommendations mm-hmm. and right now the ports are a mess and so having yeah. a freight forwarder that can recommend that kind of thing to you is actually very 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 helpful yeah, yeah, for sure. I know I've heard somebody, I saw something where they're overloading the ships now with too many uh, of the crates, right? And they're falling over on the side of, of, the, of the ship. <laughs> yeah, the ports are so backed up, they're just trying everything they can to change that, but it's not yeah. working very well at the right. moment. <laughs> it just gives a whole new meaning to treasure hunt when you're out in the ocean. You know, you might find like a mountain bike or, you know, <laughs> random things that didn't make it, golf clubs, I don't know. <laughs> Yes, they have insurance. Insurance is good as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's a good idea for sure to have that. So Sarah, tell us a little bit more about your background. Walk me through, you know, kind of the schooling or, you know, what you did to get where you are now. Mm -hmm. Um, My launch into international really started out of high school. I did a foreign exchange program to Panama. Ah. And so I spent a year in Panama with the culture and the language, and that really just intrigued my brain. And I said, I want to do something international. Yeah. I considered being an ambassador and decided I wasn't particularly excited about politics. And so that was a bad choice. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Did figure out business was really um, interesting. And so I went, I didn't start college until I was 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do by then. So I majored in international business. And then from there, graduated and went to work for a local company um, and was kind of the assistant international person assisting with sales. I did tech support in Spanish. Um, I helped create some of their initial processes for screening customers because I realized that they didn't know what they were doing. There's so many companies out there that they just don't know what they don't know. And so I helped these guys realize that they needed to know more and started some of those processes even back then. And then from that company, I went on to work for the state of Idaho for seven years. And so I've really been in international business for more than 15 years. I've traveled to over 20 countries around the world. I've done trade missions and trade shows in those countries. Um, Governor-led trade missions, as well as, you know, state trade shows where we took 11 companies to the Paris Air Show to be able to market them at that location. Uh, so it's it's been a it's been a fun journey to expand and, and go and through that I did realize that there was 
a lack of actionable assistance for a lot of people. The state of Idaho does a great job, but they're limited. You know, they can't do everything for everybody. They can kind of just give you the resources and point you in the right directions. But the number of people that are out there doing export compliance, it's limited. And here in Idaho and Boise in particular, there's not anybody that I'm aware of besides myself that's doing it. You know, the state of Idaho used to have to bring someone in from Washington to, to present on it and things like that. So it was just a niche that I found that was needed. Um, so it's, yeah, it's like I said, it's been, it's been kind of a long time, long time coming and just working through it all and seeing the gap that I could fill. Yeah. And, uh, let's see, uh, something happened in one of your trips. You actually met your husband, right? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I went to a trade show in Barcelona and then followed that trade show up. And because the connection in Idaho to the Basque country, I went up to Bilbao and met with some government agencies there. And then after my work was done, I stayed on vacation and doesn't cost the state anymore to let me stay there. I just took a later flight back and took some vacation in the middle. And so I happened to yep, be in San Sebastian, Spain, um, tooling around when I bumped into a lovely gentleman <laughs> who then introduced me to his friend. Oh. And it was his friend that I married. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right, right. And and he's he's not from Spain, though. He's from... He is not. Yeah. He's from Australia. Okay. Uh, but he was living in France at the time. And then on vacation in Spain, just like I was on vacation in Spain. Okay. That's awesome. (laughs) I love that story. And now you've got kids and all kinds of fun (laughs) things. Yeah, (laughs) we do. Yeah. Yeah. Life is a life is fun like that. Well, this gives you an opportunity to uh, work on your own business at your own speed at your own time and stay home with the kids when you want to and and or not or just come to my office and record a podcast (laughs) with me. But has it been better for you, do you think, with what you're doing now? Yes. Yeah. The the work life balance has always been an important thing. And the time with the kids has become more and more important over the last couple of years in particular. And so being able to choose when I work and where I work has been very helpful. Um, I've recently decided to get a desk at Trailhead so that when I need to get out of the house to have a little bit of like just zone in space, I've got an extra space to go to yeah. where nobody can touch me. Um, but I can, yeah, I can travel around the world and I can work from anywhere I want to, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, working with the, most of what I do is creating manuals and programs and research and things like that. And that's all computer-based and, uh, you know, the last year has shown us that tech is king. Right. And so I don't have to work from a desk in an office somewhere. I can work from my home and, or from a hotel room across the world. Travel and do all the fun things that you like to do. That's so yes. cool. What inspired you? What, what what kind of motivated you to, to go to this path? You said you know you wanted to do this. You did the foreign exchange uh, student experience. Mm-hmm. What who, what kind of mentors do you have along the way? Or, you know, who gave you that idea that that could be something that you would want to do? Well, I married a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> and so that's definitely been motivating. Uh, he's got a lot of businesses and has always encouraged me to find my passion. And I loved my job at the state of Idaho. It was fantastic. I had a great team. I loved traveling and everything like that. But a couple of years ago, some things happened within my family that I just realized I needed to be home more. Mm -hmm. And so then I started looking around for what in the world could I do to be home more. 
And at the mo at the that moment in life, I was too nervous to launch my own international like compliance and you know consulting business. I was a bit unsure of myself, but I had a, a friend who actually is a director in Mary Kay. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I was going to just be a Mary Kay consultant. And so I had started doing that before I left this date and kind of got some customers. And I thought, this is something I can kind of grasp onto and started doing. Um, but then I realized, you know, a few months into really doing that kind of full-time-ish that that wasn't wasn't quite my desire and I really wanted to get back to my international roots and I had a company that I had talked to before I left the state that I knew needed an export compliance manager and I had talked to them about kind of hiring me part-time but we realized that wasn't the right fit but that I could still offer them a program and so they basically just said put together a proposal and let's see what we can do and so I threw together a proposal and they were my first client for an export compliance program and from that, I went, I can do this. Yeah. This is something I know. And, you know, the little things that I don't know, at least I know that I don't know them. <laughs> and so I can dig in and read the the processes and, and the things that the U.S. government has. Because I had someone once describe to me the export control classification number system as, what they say, something along the lines of it's as user-friendly as handling hot molten lava without gloves. Oh, geez. <laughs> so basically, it's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. <laughs> and it is very technical, and it refers you to this part and to that part. And so you really have to be able to follow all the dots. Mm-hmm. And um, it takes a very specific kind of brain, I think, to be able to follow all of that. And my brain does that. That's nice. And so, so, yeah, so the questions that, you know, my first client had for me, you know, whether it was inside the scope of what we were doing or something else, and... Um, I was able to dig through and find all of those bits. And so it really gave me the the courage to, to do it. And, um, you know, having my friend that was the director and she just said, you know what, make, you know, do what, do what makes you happy. And having someone kind of just be that cheerleader and believe in me really made a difference. That's good. Okay. So what's one thing that you wish you had known before you started your business? Um, Always a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that I still lack in the the in the marketing end of things. <laughs> uh, I've mostly been doing, you know, just individual word of mouth and in person types of things, and so um, knowing more about um, creating on demand content is something that I wish I knew more about. And being able to have that available for people to just be able to, to dig into and, and have available versus me having to just, you know, in person talk about things all the time. Right. So you can replicate it mm-hmm. and be able to share mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. What's uh, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've overcome so far? Um, I think getting people to understand the need for a full export compliance program is my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot of times, you know, people just sort of think to themselves, well, what I've been doing is working, you know, until they get fined, until they get fined. <laughs> right. And that's, that's part of the, you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. part of things. And so getting people to really understand that there's a lot that they're not doing or a lot that they're not recognizing. So it's a lot of education to, to overcome them being able to, to kind of have that light bulb moment where they go, aha, oh, wait a minute, I really do actually need your services. This mm-hmm. is something I should implement into my company. <laughs> right. Okay, this one's a fun question. What is your worst characteristic that has served you well? 
<laughs> um, my worst characteristic. Um, probably being extremely detail focused where it can be annoying on some levels <laughs> but it serves but, you well but it serves me well in compliance that's right <laughs> that's good it might annoy my children but it works well for my customers okay what are some of your favorite accomplishments without sounding too braggy but like what what is something that you're super proud of that you've done um, besides being a mom. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, of <laughs> I course. I do love that one. But that's number one. <laughs> yes. Um, I am super proud of the creation of the export compliance program that I, I have built. Um, I did, you know, I started with a template that I got from someone else that was about 40 pages. And it was, you know, it was a good base. And you think 40 pages. Um, <laughs> I built that to 175. Oh, my. <laughs> and wow. it's. It's thorough, it's detailed, but it's also in layman's terms okay. um, so that everybody else can understand it as well in a lot of step-by-step. And that is a really big accomplishment yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to say that, you know, I pulled all of that together and created mm-hmm. that. And every next one that I do is different. So I build upon that, but every company has different needs, every company has different processes, and so every program is unique. Yeah, that's really fantastic. And, and you're right. You have to continuously update it mm-hmm. with new rules that come out, right? Right. So where do you get your information that you continuously are going to keep your your brain you know, sharp? Well, there's a lot of information that comes from the government all the time. Right. And so I've uh, subscribed to a thing called the Daily Bugle. And it basically all the notices that come out from different government agencies for updates. So I kind of constantly get that. I get information from the U.S. Department of Commerce directly, all their news releases and things like that. So there's a lot of extra details. Um, And then the U.S. um, Department of Commerce also produces a lot of webinars and a lot of trainings themselves on different different things that are, you know, out there and going on. And so, you know, kind of continuing to look for the next training program mm-hmm. is also very helpful. I can, I mean, just so much wealth of information. I can't imagine a business owner taking the time to do all of the things that they would need to do in order to make sure that they are compliant. So I'm sure what you're giving is a gift of time, right? I mean, to be able to, to explore that and do what you need to do and make sure you're legit and compliant and all that. But Man, that's a lot of time to invest on a business owner's part. So they need to hire you. <laughs> it is, yeah. I, you know, I I looked at the amount of time that it took me to create it as an as an expert in the field in the first place, and have basically estimated that it can take a company over two hundred hours wow. to develop their own program um, if they really want it to be detailed and specific and tailored to their own business. And so, yeah, not having to take 200 hours of one Mm -hmm. of their employees' time or their own time is huge. Yeah. Well, and it's if they have an employee who's not used to it or hasn't done it before, I mean, there's lots of mistakes that could be made if they, like you said, don't know what they don't know. So, yeah. What advice would you give someone wanting to be in this type of career? I think for this, this type of career... Obviously, staying educated, um, being willing to learn, um, being willing to understand that you can, you know, find mis- find your own mistakes and correct them. 
and just um, being daring, mm-hmm. I think is it's yeah. definitely <laughs> one of those types of opportunities. Right. And I think for any entrepreneur too, just understanding that, you know, taking that leap of faith and it's good that you already had maybe a potential client lined up before you did. That's awesome. I did. I did. Yeah. And that was, that's what gave me the confidence to really launch into it as I just went to one company and went, I know you need this. Mm-hmm. Can I develop it for you? And they said, yep, let's do it. That's so cool. Um, and so, yeah, finding that's, that's where you, you know, you find the need. Mm-hmm. What's the need? And so niches are, what are the niches are riches, right? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. And that was it. I I knew that there was a need and that's what I developed around. And, you know, I do regular export consulting in, in general, because I know that, you know, some people aren't quite ready for a, a full blown written program, but they still need to get out there and get going. Okay. So what do you see yourself in the next two, five, 10 years from now? I see myself living in um, a place like France where I can work internationally and live internationally and enjoy the the fruits of the labor uh, while still connecting with everybody and being able to do my job. Um, you know, obviously I'm still grounded here because that's where my family is and where my business has started, but just being able to to take my job, mm-hmm. my career to that next level, to really do that live work play yeah. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And you can, like you said, go anywhere. And you've been, you said 22 different countries. Yeah. I said over 20. Yeah. I don't okay. remember the exact, it <laughs> yeah. might be 25. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, that's uh, that's quite amazing. I, you know, I think a lot of airline miles. <laughs> it was a lot of airline miles. Yeah. Trains are fabulous. I mean, Europe's great for this, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it's, you hop countries there as fast as you hop states here. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's a good opportunity to get out and see the world. Yeah. Um, and it's a passion, you know, to see new things and create new things and um, to keep yourself open-minded and understand that there's a whole world beyond our fingertips and that's one of the reasons to get into exporting if you're not already doing it is that 95% of the world's population and 70% of the world's wealth is outside of the United States so if you're not considering exporting you're really missing a a massive diversification of your business right right yeah and just finding the marketplace for where people would use your 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 product right Mm -hmm. and kind of coming to the understanding of how would it be marketed in that location? Right. Right. And since you've been to all of these places, I'm sure you can lend an ear for that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I do have a program for creating an export plan because you really want to have a plan, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to know what you're doing and where you're going and what your product needs to change. Um, you know, what, what are the things that need to be different about your product to be able to launch into a, a, a new market, new languages, new, Right. All the things. All the things. Okay. Aside from, you know, your trip to Spain where you met your husband, tell me about one of the, or maybe a couple of the favorite places that you've been in your travels. Rome is still my favorite city ever. Um, That was on vacation after a job again, um, because it's just the history there. Mm -hmm. That was just so amazing. The, the architecture is fabulous. And then aside from that, I think uh, that my trip to Vietnam was probably the most unique just because it's an Asian culture and 
uh, the U.S. dollar does go far there. Mm-hmm. And so the silk tailored suits I came home with were pretty fabulous. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And just, yeah, the, the unique foods and culture. And I stayed in um, a few different cities. But I remember in one of them, we stayed in like three different places mm-hmm. within the city. So just different different areas. And every area of the town was different. So it was it was just a fun experience to realize that, you know, even a one city can have such a different culture in three different spots. Okay, since you've traveled to other countries so much, I think you could be an expert on this too. When you go to other countries, what are some things that you need to consider or remember when you're traveling? Not everyone speaks English. Right. And if they don't understand you, speaking louder doesn't actually help. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yes being considerate of the language barrier is huge uh google translate is is really quite fabulous they do have um written versions as well you can or you know you sound and so you can you can write it out and show it to them it also they have a camera mode on some languages so you can read a menu with it like live oh wow uh so that's been very helpful um but also being you know being aware so as far as a business you know you want to be aware of their business practices, whether they're on time, they're early, they're late, um, how you exchange business cards, the way you greet people. Um, and so it's just, you know, understanding their traditions are different than yours and you don't want to force your ways on onto them. Americans can really come across loud and crass Mm -hmm. because we just think everybody should be like us. And so being (laughs) respectful and understanding, you know, that there's mishaps and things like that, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think being humble is the biggest. You want to be yeah. humble. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Sarah, what's uh, if you were in my shoes, what question was I supposed to, or should I have asked you that I didn't? I don't know. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you did an awesome job. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of your wonderful wisdom. I mean, I'm sure we could talk all day about all the categories <laughs> and codes and things that you do, but uh, share it with everyone how they can get a hold of you and reach out to you to, you know, do this compliance program with you and or have your consulting. Well, I have a very easy website. It's smassy.com. So S as in Sarah, Massey is M-A-S-S-I-E. So smassey.com is my website. It's got my contact information on it. Um, My email is also pretty easy. It's Sarah at smassey.com. Okay, excellent. (laughs) And and Sarah with an H. Sarah with an H, yes. Good good correction. (laughs) So the H is at the end, S-A-R-A-H. Very good. People do mess that one up too. Yeah, there's lots of different ways to spell all kinds of names. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me today and coming into the studio and recording this podcast. I always love it when I get to do it in person, right? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you could do is share this, download it, give us a review. All of those things help us in being able to reach the world. So thank you so much. And until next time, everyone, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. 
People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.